Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. Very special. You know, on Mondays, I don't know when you might hear this, but I release on Mondays great stories and people that have great stories. So love doing this to start the week right. Get everybody going, put you in the right frame of mind, put you in the right vibe of attacking and just conquering. And first of all, thank everybody for the support. Thank you for the love for the podcast. I'll say it every time as we start. I'll say it again. Thank you. Thank you for your feedback. Thank you for being honest. More and more than ever. What we need now is we need to be honest with each other. We need to be patient and we have to be empathetic. We got to take it easy. We can't go crazy. It's time we just relax, do what you got to do, find your voice, take it easy and take it from there. You know, don't go so crazy. It's when I get through this, don't worry. This is going to, no need to hesitate. We're going to get through this. Time's going to get better. And while times get better, this episode known this dude for a while you met him in los angeles reconnected when i was in vegas and i'd always wonder man how does this guy know everybody and he knows everybody i mean everybody in hollywood i think before you go to hollywood you got to sit down with this guy and meet him of course i'm talking to the legend dave o known as dave o such a cool dude humble and talk about a lot of stuff in this episode we talk about sports we talk about life family parents characteristics of winners talent nobody knows more about all that stuff than Davo we talk about the Eagles people give him a hard time for the Eagles but talk about that we talk about his new podcast coming out the hey pal podcast which is coming out we talk about his sunglass company, Prevo, Proview. I'm gonna mess that up, but I'll, I'll link it all below. But without further ado, the episode with the Coach HP Show with my man Dave O. Let's go. Like, what are we gonna do about this fucking Cubano from the South down down in South Florida putting together the firm with the palm trees behind him? He's a monster. He's controlling the market. Computer, bam. Let's see what this is recording. Boom. Dude, I, uh, you are one of the of the guys in my life that I've come across that has had so much success and yet you've been able to be the same dude the whole time, man. That, 
that gift that you've had has does that come from you did you get that later on where do you get that from well i think i think i'm a product of my mom and dad you know i think i'm a product of the way that i was raised and uh i always say that you know i'm my mom and dad's kids so i was very blessed i was very lucky you know to uh to be brought up by incredible people i know a lot of people out there aren't as lucky as i am and uh you know i think that everything that i've been able to accomplish was through hard work um i didn't have any ties whatsoever i didn't have any ins you know in terms of <clears throat> my my dad worked in law enforcement my mom was an ESL school teacher she taught English kids Spanish Spanish kids English and so what I ended up doing I had nothing in the world to do with any of that you know um so I think just you know hard work and I think I realized that you know part of my success started from when I was going out and I was interacting with people I was always the guy that was friends with the waiters with the bouncers with the security guards, with the bar backs, you know, and I always try to treat everybody the same. Um, and so I think when it started to transition into working with talent and quote unquote famous people, I think that they sensed like, oh wow, this dude's like, he just doesn't treat me this way because I'm famous. He treats the bus boy that way because he's the bus boy, you know? And so um, I think it was pretty cool. Dave, how much of that started in Philadelphia, man? Because were you born there? No, I was, I was actually born and raised in L.A., but I spent all my summers in Philly with my parents. And so my natural gravitation was towards Philadelphia and towards the East Coast vibe and the way that people are there. So, you know, I was one of those kids that I always used to tell the other kids when I was playing in the neighborhoods, like, do you want to switch places with me? And they were like, are you kidding go to California, they were like, hell yeah, I want to switch places with you. And I was like, cool, I'll stay here. You know, so it, it was kind of funny. But I just think that, you know, the East Coast and the West Coast, they have two very, very different, um, you know, lifestyles, uh, two very, very different approaches to life. Um, and I often joke with people, and you've maybe heard this saying before, but I think that, you know, people from the East Coast, they stab you in the front. People from the West Coast stab you in the back. Right, right. So, that's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I would rather the East Coast approach. Dave, are you, your personality, man, more like, is your dad still alive? No, unfortunately, he passed away. Uh, God, it's been uh, 20 years now. 20 years. Yeah. What do you miss of him, man? I just miss his, his presence, you know, uh, I miss having that, that father figure, you know, to look up to. And I've developed some father figures throughout the years. Sorry. I've Very developed good. some father figures throughout the years, you know, um, but nothing like, you know, having your dad, you know what I mean? And uh, obviously my connection to Philadelphia, that's where my dad was born and raised. That's where my dad came from. My passion and drive for Philadelphia sports teams, it comes from that. And, you know, it's really cool because sports sometimes transcends life. And, you know, when the Philadelphia Phillies won the World Series in 2008, um, that was like 
such an incredible moment for me because even though my dad wasn't here, I shared that moment with him. And I remember people, kids that I grew up with were calling my mom's house and they were saying, Mrs. Osako, we know what this means to you guys. You know, we just want to say congratulations. And it was incredibly emotional. You know, um, when the uh, when the Eagles won the, the Super Bowl, I was there in Minneapolis when it happened. Wow. I was actually lucky enough to be, uh, watch the game with Julius Irving, Dr. J, who's one of the greatest Philadelphia athletes of all time. And so I was able to, to have that moment, get on the field afterwards with the team. The team brought me the uh, Lombardi trophy because they knew like what it meant to me. So that was incredible. And, uh, you know, just to feel my dad, like when I go to Philly now, like the second the plan lands, the plane lands, I feel like his presence. You know what I mean? Crazy, and, bro. And it's a really, it's a really, really cool feeling. And it's a really nice feeling, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense, man. Your personality, Dave, you get it more from your mom or from your dad's side? Absolutely my mom. My mom was the complete extrovert. My dad was more of an introvert, really, really quiet guy. Um, but when he got to know you, then he was really gregarious and funny and silly. But he was, uh, he was, a, tough, he was a tough dude. And, um, but my mom, my mom is like this little Colombian, you know, powerhouse. Uh, she has a crazy accent like Sofia Vergara. Nice. Half of my friends can't understand what she's saying. And uh, she's, uh, she's spicy and feisty and uh, just hilarious and, and the sweetest lady in the world. Dave, when you were in high school, bro, you play any sports in high school? Yeah, I played baseball. I played uh, basketball. I played tennis. What were you better at? Which one of the three? Well, I was, I was bred to be a baseball player growing up. Um, from the time I was probably about five years old, I mean, my dad and I, that was our thing. I mean, you know, every day when he got home from work, uh, we would go and, uh, and practice baseball. We had such an incredible bond when it came to that. And it was funny because he was one of those dads that uh, he would come home from work and he would change so quick that he had his tennis shoes on, his black dress socks, and then nice. shorts and like a t-shirt. I was always like, why can't he just wear normal socks? Why has he got to have these black dress socks on? But uh, it was hilarious. And that was like our, our big, big bond, which was really special and really cool. What position did you play? I played first base. Um, and as I, as I, you know, went up the ranks, uh, I realized that, you know, I was, I was just right about six foot. But as I was coming up, you know, a lot of first basemen were like, the Frank Thomases of the world. Big dudes, yeah. That were like six five. You know what right, I mean? Right. And uh, I'm like, what am I doing? But part of the reason why I, I would gravitate towards first base, I was left-handed and I wasn't fast enough to be an outfielder. And when I was younger, I was throwing curveballs at a really young age. You fucked up, young. Yeah, I did a little bit of damage to my arm. And, uh, I, you know, I played first base, but at the time, you know, there were people that I looked up to that I thought were of normal size, like Pete Rose played first base. Right. Um, you know, there were some shorter guys that played first base. So that's why I felt I could do it. But 
you know, as you grow up and as you realize some people are just given the physical tools, you know, to be able to play sports and other people aren't given those physical tools. Davey, so, how was your hitting? How did you hit? I was, uh, I was a, like a gap hitter, uh, always made contact, very few strikeouts. Uh, I would say like, you know, like a Tony Gwynn type, you know, always make contact, uh, always move the runners over, nice. hit a lot of doubles, hit an occasional home run, um, but was a pretty clutch, clutch hitter for sure. Mentally, I liked the situations when you had to be clutch. I enjoyed those. Nice, bro. So no college sports then. Did you play any sports in college? I played uh, uh, baseball in junior college. Where'd you and, go? Uh, Pierce. Okay. Pierce College. And then I went to uh, Cal State Northridge. Um, and then that's kind of at the time when I realized that I didn't have the physical skill set, you know, um, to, to kind of progress. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of when I was like, you know, I'll be a great coach one day. Funny you mentioned that. Okay, so baseball ends. What's your mindset now? Are you like, do I go coach baseball? Do I start a business? What was your, what were you telling yourself? Well, I, I, I truly loved it so much. Um, and, uh, you know, it was something I was so passionate about. And it was something that meant so much to my dad. There was that, such that bond and that connection. I played in like some like amateur leagues and stuff like that wow. and had a lot of fun in college, um, you know, uh, for, for quite a few years, even after college a little bit um, into my late 20s. And then after that, you know, uh, I had a girlfriend and I transitioned more into co-ed softball. Nice. I had a co-ed <laughs> softball team that was really funny. Uh, Kato Kalen was actually uh, one of our pitchers. Me and, me and Kato Crushed were the it. pitchers on our co-ed softball team. And uh, our team was hilarious because it was a bunch of actresses and models. So all these other actors were like, Dave, I, I want to play on your co-ed team. You know what I mean? Nice. And so once I made that, that switch from baseball to softball, which was interesting, and I was crazy competitive. Like sometimes people are like, yo, dude, like this is a, a co-ed softball game. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like we're out here competing. Like yeah, I yeah. was crazy competitive. And I remember uh, after our first year, we didn't play that well because the girls on our team, they were beautiful and they were models and everything. But, they but when, the ball, <laughs> when the ball would get hit to them, they would like throw the glove at the ball because yeah, they didn't want to get them. hit in the face. Yeah, you can't blame them. Can't blame them. Yeah. And so I remember a couple of the guys on my team, they go, dude, this is incredible to come out here every Sunday and play with these beautiful women. It's awesome, but we're getting killed, you know? And they're like, we might have to change something. So I'm like, all right. So I went to Cal State Northridge and I recruited two Samoan girls and wow. I put one Samoan girl on third and I put one Samoan girl on first. And we went from, I think, winning one game to only losing one game. We were the champions of our league. Nice. We had a huge trophy at this uh, uh, karaoke bar called Dimples in Burbank. They're our sponsor. Nice. And, uh, and we became like the best team in the league for, for quite a few years, actually. Nice, bro. Baby, when I met you, you were already doing the club stuff. How yeah. did you start becoming a doorman, club stuff? When, when did that happen? Well, um, 
I started really young. You know, I was sneaking into clubs when I was younger, but it was interesting because I've never had a drink in my life and I've never done a drug in my life. And so I was always out there because I loved people and I wanted to be around people. And so, um, again, it first started, I would hang out, like I would just hang out at the front door with the door guys and the security and just like people watch. And then, you know, they were like, dude, do you, you want to go inside? And I'm like, no, I'm cool here. Like I'm good. And so I was just super chill. And, uh, when I was younger, I, I met a group of, uh, of young kids and they all happened to be on TV shows. And I didn't even know that, you know, they were, and I started hanging out with them. And so uh, clubs started approaching me and saying, would you ever want to throw events? Would you ever want to throw parties? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And they're like, you know, you can make some pretty good money. You just have to bring some of your famous friends. And I was like, I guess I could try it. And I tried it and I was really, really good at it. Nice. And it was something that came very natural to me. Um, but, you know, I did that for a few years. And then when my pops passed away, I felt like I needed to be more of an adult and more responsible. And so that's when I started getting the offer. I was always offered door jobs and I started getting the offer of being a GM um, because all these club owners are like, dude, you're so responsible. You don't drink, you don't do drugs. You know, you're always kind of just taking care of everybody. And so um, that's kind of how that developed. And that's when I started GMing. Davey, do you still don't drink anymore? You've never drank? No, I've never had a drink. Just like me, bro. The only time I've ever drank is like when I've kissed a chick or my wife. Now, you know, when a girl drinks, that we taste yeah. the alcohol. I've never had a beer. I've never had a drug. Nothing in my whole life. Well, dude. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Never, ever, bro. But my, Crazy. see, well, one of the things I love about doing this, this show and when I talk to people is I have the adverse effect with, with my dad. My dad prepared me for everything in life except to deal with him. So right. the dude literally beat the shit out of me every time I struck out and I did something bad. I'm the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball by far. And yeah. as I got older, like my time in LA, not Vegas, but my time in LA and growing up, man, I had a lot of identity issues. Like I right. wanted to be anybody but myself because I just felt that I was just like losing and I didn't have anything. And the only coolness I had was kind of in my head. And it's hard because there was no, there was no social media. There was no YouTube. There was no nothing. You'd be like, oh, let me see if somebody else is like me. My dad just enslaved me because he wanted me to succeed in baseball so much. And right. to Cuban of the 80s, that's how they behave. But my dad just took it to another level. And you know, when you grow up in the 90s, and your dad's beating the shit out of you, bro. And you don't have like a TV in your room. The place you escape is your head. Yeah. And I developed this mindset, which, which I've always been very positive, but my time in LA for me was so hard because I felt that I lived in a, when I moved to Los Angeles, I lived in a car. Yeah. I lived in a, I slept in the car in the Hollywood Hills for six months. I didn't know anybody. Wow. And I went there to act and because of, I have certain charisma, my positivity and stuff that got me into certain elite groups, but I felt I could never be truthful be, with people because you know how it is, man. You're hanging out in these circles. Everybody's A-list and whatever they're doing. And I wish I would have had the balls to say, man, I, yeah, man, I'm just here. I'm trying to act. I've been sleeping in my car. Yeah. I was, oh yeah. I acted like I played for the Yankees and stuff like that. And then a couple of people busted me and they, and it's something I didn't need to do. 
But a lot of things that I respect about you is that you didn't have that, man. You've always been you. So I've always been a, a, a big fan of yours, bro. Thank when, you. When, Davey, when you started being the guy that's always with the guy, with the celebrity, with the athlete, man, how did that start happening? How did you notice that, that path of yours, those opportunities? Take us through that. Well, I think... Um... You know, going back to what you said, and first of all, I'm, I'm sorry to hear all that. I, I, I had no idea, and I, di I didn't know that. Um, you know, I think for me, for whatever reason, I've always been pretty comfortable in my own skin, which is, which is a gift, you know? And that's exactly why I didn't drink and do drugs, because at 12 years old, I was already throwing parties, and I was already the guy that at 12 years old, I was the one that would go talk to the police for noise complaints. I was the one that would go talk to the parents. I was the one that would take care of the girl that was like, you know, throwing up and not feeling well. So nice. I was always that, that kind of mother hen, you know? And so I always was, was pretty comfortable with who I was. I was a very, very late bloomer. I, I think when I, when I graduated high school, I was probably only like, five three or five four wow and that summer in between uh graduating and my first semester of college i grew like six inches or something like that you know what i mean wow. and like i finally like had a little bit of stubble on my freaking face yeah we and, need that thing <laughs> and, and i remember i ran into some girls from high school and they were like dave osico And I was like, hey, what's up? Like, my voice was different <laughs> and stuff. And I was totally different. And I think that that kind of helped me, too, because, like, I, I wasn't so concerned with the outside shell because I, I always knew that I was the same person on the inside. You know what I mean? So all of a sudden, I'm a little bit taller. I'm a little bit more leaned out. Maybe I'm getting a little bit more attention from girls. And I just kind of laughed it off because I was like, this is weird. I'm still me, you know, right. I'm the same person. Like I didn't realize that growing six inches was going to make such a difference. You know what I mean? But you know, it did. And so I, I was comfortable being me. And so when I started going out to, to clubs and you know, what's funny is the thing that got me going out to clubs was a heartbreak. I went through a heartbreak over a girl and my buddies, dragged me out to a club and I went kicking and screaming. I didn't want to go. All I cared about was this girl. I was heartbroken. I'd never dealt with heartbreak. And, uh, you know, we go to this club and I end up meeting all these kids that are on TV and it, it just kind of developed that way. And so those kids felt safe with me because they were like, Oh dude, this dude's like totally chill. He's not freaking out over who you are. You know, he's not, losing it he's not hitting on our girls because i was heartbroken over a girl right you know like right. the girls are like wow he's respectful he's cool he's not trying any funny stuff and so i just started hanging out with all of them and once i started hanging out with all of them it was like i was almost grandfathered in because other people that would meet me they'd be like oh well he's friends with so and so and so and so so already they're they're like well if he's cool enough to be friends with so and so then i can be friends with him too You know, and a, and a lot of it was I was always with, you know, attractive girls. And so a lot of male celebrities, 
would come up to me and they'd be like, yo, bro, what's the deal with like you and these girls? And I'd be like, oh, they're my friends. And they'd be like, they're your friends? I'd be like, yeah, you know? And they'd be like, well, are you dating any of them? I'm like, yeah, I'm hanging out with one of them, but like, I'm not hanging out with all of them. And they were like, dude, can you introduce me? So then I became the guy that was introducing a lot of the celebrities and athletes to the girls. And then I became the guy that the girls would come to and they'd be like, Dave, you know, I know you know this person and that person. So I kind of became like the, the matchmaker, you know what I mean? And so that's kind of how it all started. That is so good, man, because listen, you, you, you are part Latin and us Latinos, bro, we have this testosterone, this machismo thing, bro, that messes up a lot of us up, bro, because it's like, we got to pop, we got to pop. But if you can control it and put the spotlight on other people, which is something that you clearly have done and it's hard, bro, because listen, man, it's everything on a picture looks sexy and cool and it's fun, whatever. But having to deal with famous people is not the easiest thing in the world, man. They're on schedules. They're on temperaments. It's, yep. they, they, they're on their own spotlight, bro. How have you been able to almost like be like water, bro? Like take shape of whoever you're with, man, and not let that rub you the wrong way. Because I'm sure every once in a while, someone's told you something that if it'd be anybody else, would be like, hey, bro, what the fuck are you talking about? But sometimes you got to act like kind of crazy, like, yeah, that wasn't for me, you know? How have you been able to do that, dude? Well, you know, I've been, I've been lucky again because I've always been pretty true to myself. And uh, I've had a couple situations, especially when I was younger, where I had to check a couple celebrities and put them in their place. And people were like, whoa, 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 you can't say that to them. Or you can't do that. But the celebrity themselves was like, dude, like, I kind of respect that. I respect you know what I mean? That. Yeah, 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 I'll yeah. never forget, uh, there's a certain socialite, a certain uh, famous woman that one night she was acting out and she was being difficult. And I remember all her friends were really frustrated and they were like, ah, I can't believe she's being this way, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I turned to her and I was like, you're, you're kind of being a bitch right now. And everybody was like, <laughs> and she was like, what? And I'm like, you're kind of being a bitch right now. Nice. And he was like, wow. And she's like, you know what? You're right. And I'm sorry. And she apologized to me and apologized to the people around her. And everybody was like, oh my God. And that, when that happened, her whole attitude towards me shifted. And the respect that she had for me moving forward or towards me was awesome, you know, because I was real with her and right. I didn't, I didn't put her on a pedestal and I didn't treat her. That's the thing at the end of the day, you know, talent, it's their job. They have a job, but they have all the same problems that we have. And in a lot of cases, their problems are magnified. You know, they have money problems that are worse than our problems. They have health problems. They have family problems. You know what I mean? Like they have all the same problems that we have. You know, and I've often joked and I've often explained it to younger people, you know, if you go and punch, you know, uh, The Rock's not a good example, but if you go and punch, uh, I don't know, um, Chris Evans, if you go and punch Chris Evans in the stomach, he's going to be like, dude, what are you doing? 
Just like if I go and punch you in the stomach, you're going to be like, dude, what are you doing? We're right. all the same people. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It just happens that Chris Evans is Captain America. You right. know what I mean? But it's just a job, you know? And that's why, like, I feel and I have a lot of compassion for a lot of these people because, again, their problems are magnified, you know? When they have family problems, they're, a lot of them are taking care and paying for 40 family members. You know what I mean? Like you and I might have to help out one or two family members because our family knows our financial situation. Right. But when it comes to them, there's no, you know, if they don't give the money or if they don't help out, then all of a sudden they're a jerk and they're turning their back on their family. So yeah. it's very, very magnified. And then you take that to a baseball player with a $300 million contract, you know, that's a whole other different ball game. And it's funny because, um, you know who Chuck Liddell is? Yes. So Chuck Liddell is one of my best friends, the Iceman. He's really the guy that made the UFC what it is, a former champion. We actually uh, coach his son's Little League team together. Nice. Where does he play? Where do they play? Uh, we, uh, it's, uh, uh, what's the Little League called? Oh my God, it's right down the street. Um, it's Woodland Hills Little League. Okay, okay. Good teams there. there there's a, I know a couple of people that are out there. Good teams are in Woodland Hills. Yeah, yeah, really good teams. And, uh, but we're teaching, uh, we're coaching right now six, seven, and eight-year-olds. So nice. it, it's really, really fun. But um, so Chuck, when Chuck first started finding success and Chuck first started making money, everybody was coming out asking for loans, you know, uh, sending business plans. I want to start a lawnmower business sending, you know, I want to open an Arby's. I want to do this. I want to do that. And he was really excited and he was really generous. And so he was lending a bunch of friends money and it got to the point where his girlfriend who eventually became his wife, she had to step in and she was like, yo, this isn't cool. Like all these people are just using you, you know, and taking advantage and just trying to, trying to make money off of you. And so it got really bad to the point where they told me a sad story where one of his like childhood friends um, had a, uh, his father passed away and he wanted to throw his father a proper funeral. And so at first they didn't know if it was true or not. You know what I mean? Wow. So they had to like go down there and actually see that the guy's father passed away. And of course Chuck gave him the money to throw a proper funeral but that's how bad it got that's how bad and how ruthless, how ruthless people can be that they could make up something like that. You know what I mean? Davey, have you, do you sometimes see yourself more therapist, bro? Uh, at times. Cause they'll come times. to you and ask you, cause you seem like a guy that since you have, since you're so level headed and you're not into drugs, you're not drinking that sometimes people can trust you and be like, Dave, bro, do you like this? Should I do this movie? Should I do this? Have you been yeah, in those positions? For sure. Yeah, that, that happens quite a bit. And it's funny because a lot of people, uh, when I was younger, they wanted me to manage them or they wanted me to represent them. And the funny thing is, I'm not driven by money. Uh, I'm driven by relationships. And so I basically told people, look, I'm down to help you out. I'm down to give you advice. But I can't negotiate a deal to save my life because right. I just, I don't like 
I don't like money. I don't like what money does to people. I don't like, you know, what it creates. And, and obviously I've had to learn the hard way because I've been taken advantage of a lot. I've made I could, a lot of I could only imagine, Davey, I could only imagine with your connections and listen, dude, anybody else would have said, Oh, wait a minute. You want a manager? Let's go, bro. Give me such a front. And these people trust you enough that it's okay. So that's a big yeah. deal that you did that, man. That's a big deal. Yeah. You talked about taking, being taken advantage of, man. Anybody who's good gets taken advantage of. How did you deal with that failure, bro? What did you tell yourself? I'm sure you're hurt. How do you deal with that? Well, it's been tough and, I, and I'm still learning to this day. You know what I mean? Um, it's just difficult and it, it really, it took the people around me, you know, and, and I had one of my really good friends and he's like, dude, I, I can't watch this anymore. I got to step in and I'm going to start negotiating your deals because he's like, it's not that you're a dumb person. He's like, you just, you're so afraid of talking about money and afraid of like standing up for, for yourself that you get taken advantage of. And so one of my good friends started negotiating my deals for me. And he's like, you just keep doing what you do. I'll be the, the, the jerk behind the scenes because sometimes everybody needs an asshole on their camp. No, it gets you know uncomfortable, I mean? bro, because it's like, listen, I get it, dude. It's like if something isn't met, you always need that buffer to say, hey, look, if you show up at a place or you agree to, you're going to do this much or you're going to bring this person out and you don't see what you've asked for, there's always a better point of contact. And then you could always step in and be good cop versus the other way around when you're like, hey, bro, you promised me this. Where is this? You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's... So you know, I, I've needed in my, in my later years, I've needed people to kind of step in and kind of handle my deals for me. Um, it's actually funny because today I'm supposed to get on a phone call to negotiate a deal that my buddies and I are doing. And uh, my buddy on the email, he's like, you know, Dave hates being on these phone calls and Dave hates talking about money. Why don't you just handle it? And my friend was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll just deal with it. You know what I mean? Like, cause I, I just get, I just can't stand it. Like it makes me uncomfortable, you know? Dude, I, I get it, bro. I get it. Let's talk about the glasses business. I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it Privé? What is it? Privé Revo. Privé Revo. Okay. That I'm sure sparkled from your relationship with Jamie, which has always been super, super, super tight. You can't ask for not only more talented, but just greater real dude than Jamie Foxx, man. I've yeah. never met him, but in every single interview that I've seen, everything that he expresses himself, he just gets more real, more real. Describe your relationship, bro. What do you like about him? Why is that dude so talented? Is he just God gifted with all these things? I mean, he's the most talented human being on planet Earth. There's nobody, he's like a five tool player. You know what I mean? Uh, there's nobody on the planet that can do the things he does. And he's also on top of it. He's an incredible athlete. So, you know, not only is he a comedian, a singer, a dancer, an actor, but he can hit a three pointer. You know what I mean? He can go in the batting cage and, and hit the hell out of the baseball. I, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely God given when you're in a situation like that. Um, and you know, uh, he's just a real, he's just a real, real good guy. And, you know, for him, you know, he never expected, 
his career to turn in what he what it turned into, you know. And I think that's why he's so successful because you know his first love is music. That's really what he cares about is music, and he started doing comedy, and the comedy led to the acting. And he just doesn't take the acting like he's just having fun. So he's not like in his head like a lot of other people are, where they're like, it's like God. They're like, I gotta get into this character and I gotta figure this out. Like he's just having fun, and so because he's having fun, it's just like it's it comes so easy to him, you know. Um, what happened with the sunglasses was about. A month earlier, I was in Israel, in the Holy Land. I was on a trip with uh, Jeremy Piven and George St. Pierre, uh, another UFC great, Amari Stottlemyre, the basketball player, and a bunch of people. We were doing like a trip for Israeli uh, tourism. And uh, there was a guy on the trip, and he kept wanting to talk to me and Jeremy Piven. And Jeremy's like, yo, like, keep this guy away from us. I'm just trying to relax. I'm just trying to relax. But this guy was tenacious and he kept wanting to talk to us and talk to us. And finally he cornered us and he goes, Devo, you know, a lot of famous people. I think we could do some business together. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I think we could find something that we could do. And he started talking to Piven and I, and the more he started talking about making money, the more Piven and I started listening. And he was like, you know, we could find, we could do like a line of sunglasses. We could do a line of cufflinks. We could do, you know, whatever you think makes sense. So I had a, I had a guy basically, and I'm nice because I have, I have a guy for everything. And so I kind of put that in the memory banks and I come back to the States and a few weeks later, Jamie Foxx calls me and he's on his way to Vegas to do, to host a, a club and he forgot his sunglasses. And so he stopped in a convenience store. He bought a cheap pair of sunglasses. He put them on and everybody went crazy. He gets to Vegas. Everybody's like, dude, what are those? Are those Gucci or those Ferragamo? What are those? And Fox calls me and he's like, yo, I bought these cheap glasses. People are freaking out. Like, He's like, I think we need to get in the sunglass business. And I'm like, I got a guy. I got the dude. So I called this guy and I was like, listen, you know, can we start a sunglass line? But can we make it affordable? You know, so that because Jamie was like, I want my fans to be able to buy these. I don't want to gouge people. And the guy was like, yeah, dude, I think we can make glasses for 29, 39 bucks, something like that. And uh, he's like, but we'll make them just as good as the designer glasses. We'll use all the same materials that the designer companies use, you know, the acetate screws, the polarized lenses, all this stuff. And we were like, that'd be amazing. So then we had Jamie and we had Jeremy. And I was like, well, let's get a couple girls so we have different demographics. And so we can get the word out on social media you know, so, you know, we have Jamie who represents, you know, a certain demographic. We have Jeremy Piven and then we got Ashley Benson and Haley Seinfeld. So we were able to cover four different demographics, four different age groups. We were able to provide consumers with a product that costs $29.95, nice. which is just as good as the designer ones. 
and it just kind of exploded. Hey, um, what's what's your favorite pair? Do you wear different types? Wall, You're an aviator guy, no? I'm an aviator guy. I, I'm one of those people. I don't think glasses look good on me. I only wear like the standard Ray-Bans. Right. And so literally, I used to pay, I think like 206 bucks for the Ray-Bans that I used to get. We made an exact, exact replica with all the same materials, $29.95. So no way. It, it's, it's pretty awesome, yeah. Is that Those one of the top sellers? Is that one of the top sellers? Yeah, yeah, definitely one of the top sellers called the Commando. But we have so many different, you know, uh, designs and we've really disrupted. Our goal is just to disrupt the eyewear business. And, you know, we've done that. I mean, everybody, everybody wears our glasses and everybody loves our glasses. And, you know, it was funny because JLo, she wasn't part of our team. And JLo, we just, we sent her glasses and she started rocking them all the time. And that was incredible for us because for consumers, it was like, yo, what are these glasses that JLo's wearing? And then when people would find out they were 29 bucks, they were like, well, if JLo can wear $29 glasses, so can we. I can wear $29 <laughs> glasses, you know? Dude, I'm just like you, man. I'm an aviator guy. I, I switch, I go like you all black. I do the all black ones, the yeah. biggest ones that they offer. And then I'll do the gold too. Those are the only two that I, yeah. that I rock. Yeah. With. Talk to me about the Hey Pal podcast. Yeah. So Hey Pal podcast, uh, really exciting. Uh, one of my buddies, uh, hit me up. Um, the only issue is he's a Dallas Cowboys fan and I hate, the Dallas Cowboys being an Eagles fan, fly Eagles fly. Right. And so he, he hit me up and he was like, dude, I know this is crazy. And he's like, do you ever think you and I could do a podcast together? And I was like, I don't even like you. Like, why would I want to do a podcast with right. you? Right. I don't even like you, dude. And so we just started laughing and that's kind of the, the camaraderie. So it's a podcast. It's a sports entertainment podcast. Nice. What's really cool about it is we ask athletes uh, movie questions and we ask actors and actresses athlete questions. So it's like a hybrid show, which is really, really cool. And uh, iHeart picked it up like right away, which was crazy. Got tremendous buzz out of the gate because of the, of the guests. That right, 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 right. Um, and uh, like we already did an episode with Julian Edelman we did an episode with Mark Cuban. We did an episode with Ashley Benson. We're doing Odell Beckham next week. Nice. We're doing Tiffany Haddish in a couple of weeks. Like, you know, it's, it's because of that, obviously, you know, iHeart was like, wow, we have a winner. We so a as winner. of now, we're going to launch in August. Um, I think right now the tentative date's August 11th. Um, but it's been, it's been really cool. And, you know, it's something that I, I thought about for a while and I've done a couple podcasts with friends, but nothing that was like my thing. And uh, Hey Pal came from, I've always called everybody my pal. Really? So, I love, listen, I love the name. I love, a lot of people don't know this about you, man, but you're an incredible host. I'm talking about like hosts, like TV hosts, like your English yeah. is super clean comes across super clear the, the way you can improvise on the spot, man, at second and just shoot off questions from the dome. Not many people know you can do that. 
in all ranges. So it's almost like you're perfect for this, bro. I think yeah. it's going to be, listen, the guess is what gets people. But once right. people start to know you, Dave, as in that realm and hear you speak and how quick-witted you are, bro, it's going to do phenomenal, man. Oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. No, I'm, I'm excited and, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it's been really cool because, you know, for a long time, I've helped a lot of people and I've never really asked for anything. You know that asking is always difficult, especially when you're on our side of it, you know? Yep. And so... You know, like, it's been cool because everybody that we've reached out to, you know, like, I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry to ask. And it's really cool, like, you know, when, like, I hit up, like, somebody like Odell Beckham, and he's like, bro, are you kidding me? Like, you've done so much for me. Like, of that's course awesome. I'll do your show. You know what I mean? So that, that's really cool. And, and that, that gives a lot of validation for what I've, I've worked up to. You know what I mean? Um, and I think also... You know, because of the buzz that we're getting, I think we're probably going to try to do it as a show as well. So, you know how there's like, you know, uh, Jalen and Jacoby on ESPN or like Golik and Golik or whatever, or Mike and Golik. Like, I think we're going to try to do some version of a, of a visual show as well. So Are it's you, you going to record it? You're going to record every show? Yeah. I think that's genius because YouTube on the show till somebody picks it up YouTube and then you strip the audio and that becomes podcast. And then everything in the middle becomes the clips for Instagram and TikTok and yep. whatever else, man. I think that's really good. Yep. Couple more questions, Dave. Dave, why are you so good at building relationships, man? Uh, I think cause I'm not driven by money. You know, there's no like, there's no ulterior motive. And I think that I just, I genuinely love, people. And I, I, I think one of the things like when you're able to connect with people, when you're able to show your heart a little bit, and, and even something as, as simple as talking about losing my dad, you know what I mean? The second that the second I can talk to a person about losing my dad, right away, inherently, it lets their guard down, because they're like, Oh, my God, dude, this dude just told me that his dad died. Like now I can talk to him about my dad and my relationship with my dad. Or now I can talk to him about, Oh my God, my brother died. Like I can talk to this person. Like this person gets it. Or, you know, when I'm one of those guys that, you know, I'm like, I can talk about heartbreak because that's not something that like guys don't like to talk about heartbreak, you know, but hell no. hell no, especially in Hollywood. Hell no. Right. So as a guy, when I can meet somebody, uh, like, let's say I can meet, I don't know, Cody Bellinger and, you know, I can meet Cody Bellinger and Cody can say, yo man, how are you? And I'm like, you know what, bro, I'm not really doing that good. And he's like, what do you mean? Well, I'm bummed out. I, I just broke up with this girl. Like right away that now, takes away the, the, the walls between people and it makes you human, you know? And then it's just like, oh, wow, dude. Like this dude doesn't want to talk to me about baseball. He doesn't want to bother me about, you know, how it felt losing the world, you know, World Series two years in a row. Like this dude's talking to me about heartbreak. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just, it's just being human. And, 
you know, I, again, I know in Spanish culture, and I know that mi abuelita, she always used to tell me not to show my cards, you know, because when you show your cards to people, so you're opening yourself up. Yeah. But I've always kind of used it as this is who I am, you know, like me or hate me. And it is what it is. And, and it's always kind of worked to my advantage, you know, and Huge. you know how it is, especially you were in the industry. So like, don't get me wrong. I deal with a lot of haters. I deal with a lot of people that talk crap. I deal with a lot of people that are like, dude, why do these famous people like this dude? Like, what's the deal? Like, why do they hang out with him? And again, at the end of the day, it's just because I, I'm just normal and I just treat them normal, you know? And at the end of the day, like I said, we're all human and they have all the same problems that we do. So, you know, it's just about being normal. It, it's funny too, because I use that example with Cody with, with most athletes, I never talk to them about their sport ever. And so they're always like, dude, this dude's cool. Like this is different. You know what I mean? The only time I ever really talk to them about their sport is if they bring it up to me, you know, and with celebrities, you know, with uh, on the music side and on the acting side, I never really talk to them about their movies. You know what I mean? Or I never really talk to them about their shows unless it's something that they ask me, you know, unless it's something where they're like, dude, have you like, did you watch my show last week? And I'm like, no. Yeah, like, I, I didn't watch right. the show last week. Right. So again, it, it takes away, it's not the normal conversations that they're used to have. You know what I mean? Like I told you, Chuck Liddell and I, Chuck Liddell and I have been friends for probably 13 years. And I think 10 or 11 years in, Chuck was like, you've never asked me about fighting. And I go, no, like, we talk about normal stuff. Normal stuff. You know what I mean? Man. And so it's kind of cool. Davey, two more, three more questions. What's your favorite type of music? It depends on who I'm with because I have such an eclectic group of friends that I, I've learned to love and appreciate everything. I'm not, I'm not really trying to take, you know, the fifth here, but like, it really depends. Like, you know, um, I have such an eclectic group that You know, if I'm with rockers, I enjoy classic rock. If I'm with a hip-hop artist, I enjoy hip-hop. But you alone, I, let's say you alone, you alone, what do you play? You're in the car by yourself. What do you like? I like, you know what's funny? You know that question, like if you were on an island and you could only listen to one artist? Yeah, who do you got? Who would it be? Mine would probably be uh, like Bob Marley. That's, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, I thought you were going to say a Grupo Nietzsche. When you talk to your mom, say, oh, hey, mom, I, I picked Bob Marley over a Grupo Nietzsche. Well, you know, it's funny. The first concert I ever went to, which it's embarrassing, but you, it, you'll appreciate it. First concert I ever went to in my life was with uh, one of my childhood friends and her mom and my mom was Menudo. There it is, Menudo, buddy. That was, that was a hit. Davey, any question for me, bro? Anything I can help you? Any questions? Uh, no. What's the next tattoo you're going to get? Bro, I, uh, so before I answer that question, 
to me, you strike a, you strike a, like a guy will be great with kids, man. And you're, I, I almost feel that your fatherhood for you would be huge, man. I became, you know me as a club guy, but how I became popular on social media was I started to tell people my truth and to not focus on, because when we played baseball, travel ball, perfect game, stuff like that, they didn't really exist. Right. You usually went to, you were good in high school. And then now people are like, if you're not a stud at 12 and you're not on a thousand travel teams, you're a disaster. So yeah. I started talking to parents and focusing on what's important, effort and attitude. That's the only thing you can control. Your kid's not going to be the next Mike Trout because he does this, this, and that. And right. you see a lot of that because you're with all these successful people and you, you can't imitate this stuff, man. You either have it or you don't. And you got to bank on your strengths, man, which is something you've done. But uh, I became like the kid whisperer. Right. So a lot of celebrities, a lot of people started bringing me their kids because I would just be like you're in your world, 100% honest to people yep. who at some point were paying me a lot of money to work with their kids. So I started to tell them, listen, your kid's spoiled because of this, 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 and that. And if you don't change it, you're going to run into problems. And that ties in a lot with what you're doing because Hollywood is filled with so much depression, Hollywood kids, celebrity kids, rich kids, because they don't have to deal with adversity, man. Cause yeah. the parents and the system removes it, you know? So that has been my thing. So my next tattoo is somewhere around here is I got to get my, I have a daughter who's two years old. It's going to turn awesome. two now in September names, Penelope. Awesome. who's out of control. I got to get her name. And then I got to get my son who's supposed to be born in September too. Oh, nice. I'm going to, it's going to be called, his name's going to be Cruz. C-R-U-Z, Cruz. I love it. I'm going to get homeboy's name too. And then I want to do a little more here without going crazy, but the more successful I am, I'm going to get into that. I, uh, I do, love it. I became the first influencer to sign with Rawlings. I saw yeah. that. That's awesome. I'm going to show you something. Don't move. Hold on. I'm going to show you something. Don't move. Okay. So since you mentioned I'm lefty like you, first yeah. base, I'm probably like 6'1", and my guy growing up was uh, Keith Hernandez. Oh, yeah. Because Rawlings at the time used to have uh, a glove. You probably remember this, bro, that used to buy famous players' gloves, and they used to have their signature in the middle. Yep. Right? Yep. So when I was, when I was interviewing guys at the Rawlings Gold Glove Awards in uh, – in New York, I got to talk to interview Keith Hernandez and I showed him my glove and stuff like that, man. So it's crazy. I had one glove growing up. My parents were super, not poor, but like my dad didn't spend money on this kind of stuff. Right. So I have a couple editions of this. So nice. you see the logo right there. And this is a coach HP model. But let me ask you, I, I do want to ask you one question because you work with, with young players. So CC Sabathia, um, Andrew McCutcheon, Tony Clark, the players rep, Billy Bean, um, myself, a few other people. We're trying, when you and I grew up, there were black baseball players. Now, there's no black baseball players. Mm -hmm. Less than 5% of Major League Baseball is black. And... Right. It gets confusing for regular for for the public because they see all these Latino players that are dark skinned 
So they're like, oh, he's African-American. No, he's Dominican yeah. Yeah, yeah. or he's Cuban. He's not African-American. So as far as African-American players, they're disappearing. And very soon in the next 10 years, there probably won't be any African-American players. And so we're trying to figure out a solution to that. And part of it in talking to CeCe, and I just want to get your take on this, part of it in talking to CeCe is that, unfortunately, as we know, a lot of Black families, there isn't a father present. And so a lot of these kids are raised by their moms. And as you were saying, the traveling teams and all that stuff, that costs a lot of money. And so a lot of these, these Black kids that are interested in baseball, they can't really afford to play anymore. And so we feel that that's part of the reason that that's happening. We also feel that in high schools, if you're black, the automatic thing for a coach to say is, oh, you're gonna run track, you're gonna play football, you're gonna play basketball. There's no, no coach that's like, oh my God, you're gonna play baseball. Just doesn't happen, you right. know what I mean? So, why do you think that's happening? Do you think it's for those reasons that I just discussed? The first one is that baseball is not sexy. Right. Baseball is like chess, bro. You played baseball and, and CC, bro, you said it perfectly. You play baseball because of your dad. I play mm -hmm. baseball because of my dad. It's a game that's, that's grandfathered down through tradition, tradition. And when your dad's not in the picture, and it's a hard sport to play because it's not like basketball where we grab a basketball and just throw. It's not like football. It's so hard to set up. And when I played as a player, we'd always play against FAMU, Florida Memorial College, all black players. Mm -hmm. uh, Benedict College, when I, was in high, when I was in college in South Carolina, all black players. And it's funny because let's say you take a guy like Lorenzo Kane. Yep who's a beast baseball player, he got molded into baseball. And what these athletes should know is the field is so open for black athletes because of the speed, the athleticism, that all they really need to do is to be taught the right way to deal with the mental failures. That's not for everybody. And the fact that when you do play baseball, which this is why this is so reversed, man. And you're the perfect, you're the perfect guy to talk to about this. Let's talk A-Rod for a say. When A-Rod, before he met J-Lo, highest, before he started dating her, highest gross amount of money ever made, Shark Tank, Fox, ESPN. The guy had 800,000 followers on social. Right. On Instagram, she had 75 million. Yep. So what happens is baseball players, because of the money they make and the way they're bred, that the majority of them don't really come unless you get a Dominican dude or a Cuban dude or a Puerto Rican dude. It's like they don't want to go the extra mile to really do anything that's going to be out there. Very different than basketball and football because the contracts are guaranteed. So... With MLB having just so strict policies on reposting their stuff and Dave not really having a connect with black. Uh, remember, I don't know if you remember, RBI program was started by Eric Davis and Daryl Strawberry. 
Yep. You know, and I just think that what we need is more leaders in those communities that are willing to grab a team, have it integrated, not just have be a black, all black team, because they, it always, we, every time we played a black team, it was always the same. The first inning, they score like five runs because they would bunt, they would do this. But the strategy of the game would always cost them. Yep. You know, and yep. you take dudes like Kenny Lofton, it was yep. a great, great, great basketball player. And then the career he was able to build in baseball, Dave Winfield, all these people that are just Ricky Henderson, that could just, you know. And then you take, as recently now, the dude from the quarterback of Arizona. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, he, Kyle Murray. that, he, that he, Kyle Murray, who had $4 million waiting for him in baseball. And then he yep. could peace out. The minor leagues is also tough. Yep. So, Dave, I think the first step is to start playing baseball. Yep. Like literally T-ball. Have a T-ball yeah. team in the neighborhood. And you don't yeah. need anything fancy. And we'll wait. And usually what happens is if you're good, because I know a lot of black dudes that are playing professional baseball that are real good. Some kids that follow, I get 500 to 1,000 DMs of people reach out to me from all over the country. From yeah. every single thing scenario. And my boy just got signed with a, he's going to Stanford now. You know what I'm saying? Black dude, tremendous athlete, went to Harvard Westlake. Yeah. Um, so it's information and it's the awareness. That's what's missing, bro. The information yeah. and the awareness for kids to start saying, man, baseball is sexy. Black kids play baseball in Cuba because it's sexy. Now in the reverse, they're starting to play soccer because of FIFA, the video game. Yep. Which we never thought are Cuban. Listen, us Cubans are good at three things. Baseball, boxing, and dominoes, bro. Yeah. And double nine. <laughs> and double right. nine, not even the other one. So that's, that's the move, man. The move, it's going to take a group of individuals that are going to take the time to just throw a T-ball down, start a coach pitch. Yep. To really develop. And the beauty of baseball is it could offset with football which a lot of the black dudes play football in the spring, fall, fall, spring, fall, spring, fall, spring. As yeah. So that's my move, man. The more you spread it out, I think we're not, we're not spreading it out. Lose your mind. Cool. Brother, cool. I appreciate it. You're the man, bro. I could not Thank be you. more happy for you. Your time is starting now. And where you're going to be two years from now, as you, not as a guy that's hanging out with the guy, whatever, as you, it's going to be insane, bro. So I'm really, really, really excited for you, brother. Thank you, bro. I, bro, I'm excited about a little cruise, man. That's it's great be. to see you, dude. I'm proud of you, too. Likewise. Boom. There it is. Great episode. Great dude. Great follow on Instagram. The who's who, man. He's with the who's who. But at the end of the day, he's himself. And that's what got him to the top of the top. All right. Thank you guys so much again for listening to the podcast. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for leaving the feedback. As forever, and you always know this, please go hard and do your thing. I love every single one of you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.